This is my 49th Easter to be in the ministry. 13 of those were music director, and then the last 36 have been pastoring. Let me assure you that my job is much easier than what Brother Aaron's was today. Uh, Beautiful music, amen? There's so many variables in music. If the preaching's no good, there's one dud, and that's me. But you've already got your money's worth out of the music, so don't worry about the dud, all right? Look, if you would, at Colossians chapter 1, and as you're turning there, let me say a special, special thanks to all of you who made Friday night and Saturday such a great success. Uh, It's close to a thousand people came through both campuses here with everything going on, and uh, it, it could not be possible without you volunteering and your helping. And I appreciate that so much. And uh, let's just say thank you for being here this morning. This is a good Wednesday night crowd. I'm glad to see you here. (laughs) Well, all right. (laughs) Uh, And thank you for joining us by live stream and over the internet, all over the world. Folk are listening. I'm not, uh, it's just the music. I guarantee music covers a multitude of bad preaching. Amen. I love it. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. Beginning in verse 19, would you stand please in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, Colossians 1:19, For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, Yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you continue in the faith grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. Father, thank you so much. Ooh, how we've been blessed this morning, this day. Thank you for, Lord, just everything you've done. I ask you, Lord Jesus, please continue to work in this place today. Lord, without you, we're nothing. All is vain unless the Holy Spirit comes down. We're looking for you to do great things in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Dr. Billy Graham. Uh, wrote a very special track called Steps to Peace with God and, uh, and then also wrote a book, Steps to Peace with God. And the whole thing is based around the fact, have you made peace with God? Uh, there have been times in my ministry when a doctor has come out and said, you know, we've done everything we can do. There's nothing else we can do. And someone will ask the question, have they made peace with God? Have they got their affairs in order? Is their house in order? And I want us to think this for a few moments this morning about making peace with God. I know it's Resurrection Sunday. I know that you know that Jesus died on a cross, that he was put in a tomb, and he rose on that third day, and he lives and intercedes for us right now. You say, well, preacher, what's so big about that? Uh, Elijah rose again. Lazarus was raised again. Every one of those were raised again only to die again. But I want to tell you something about our Lord and Savior. He's not dead today. 
He's alive, alive forevermore. There are many New Testament words that describe the significance of Easter. I love the word substitution. He substituted uh, himself. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. He who didn't owe a debt paid the debt that we couldn't pay. Uh, we owed it. We couldn't pay it. He paid it. He didn't know it. Uh, it was March the 18th, 2018. Lieutenant Colonel Betrame, and, and it's French, so B-E-T-R-A-M-E. If you're French today, pronounce that however you want to. Uh, I'll just do East Texas, Betrame. Lieutenant Colonel Betrame uh, was 44 years old. ISIS had attacked Paris that day, and the ISIS... A murderer was in a supermarket, and he was about to kill this young lady, this young mother. And uh, this lieutenant colonel said, I will take her place. If you'll let her go, I'll come in. I'll lay my gun down, and I will come in. And what you do to her, you do to me. And he did that. He went in. She was let go. He laid his phone down on the table so that the police could hear what was going on. It wasn't very long before a shot rang out. And he was assassinated. The lieutenant colonel's mother said, I knew it was my son before they ever said his name because my son was just that way. He went in. Let me tell you, that young mother was able to go home that night and be with her children and be with her family because someone substituted his life for hers. Folk, I want to tell you one of these days, because Jesus has substituted his life for ours on the cross, we're going to go home one day. This world's not our home. No, we're just passing through here. We're going to go home one day because Jesus substituted his life for our life. The words that mean a great deal when we deal with Easter is justification. The sinner stands before God guilty and condemned, but we're declared righteousness in Christ. That's justification. Uh, the word redemption. The sinner stands before God as a slave, but we're granted freedom in Christ. Romans 6, 18, being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. And then the word forgiveness is important. The sinner stands before God as a debtor, but the debt is paid and forgotten in Jesus Christ. And then the word adoption. We stand before God as a stranger, and yet he's adopted us into his family, and we become part of the family of God. The Bible says, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And then the word I want to just major on a few moments today. And it is the word reconciliation. Reconciliation. Being reconciled to God. Have you made peace with God? Now look at me, first of all, with me at the plan of reconciliation. In verse 21 and verse 20 and 21, the word reconcile means to change or to exchange. When a person changes from being an enemy to being a person at peace, they're said to have been reconciled. All over today, we see marriages that are ripped apart and all. It is so wonderful to see every once in a while a marriage that has been reconciled. 
where the husband and wife come together and they say, look, it is worth it after all. We're going to be reconciled together. And, and this scripture refers to that. And when you add the preposition to it, it intensifies the meaning. It means thoroughly recon reconciled, completely reconciled, totally reconciled. And Paul emphasizes that there's total and complete and full reconciliation through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you a verse in Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. The Bible says, Jesus is speaking here, all things are delivered unto me of my Father. No man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal himself. Nobody knows the Father unless Jesus reveals the Father. You know what that says? He's got a monopoly on revealing the Father. Nobody, he's got the market cornered. Nobody else can reveal God the Father except Jesus the Son. That's what he's saying here. Now you say, preacher, what, what, what does that mean? Well, it means what he said in John 14, 6. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man come to the Father but by me. Nobody can come to the Father except by Jesus. You say, preacher, that's what I hate about Baptist preachers. They're hard-headed, stubborn, narrow-minded. Amen? Come on, say amen. I don't mind it. I, I enjoy that. I really enjoy that. Hey, I ask you, you, you don't want me to be narrow-minded. What about when you go to the pharmacist? Do you want him to be narrow-minded? I mean, you, hey, I've got 150 bottles of pills up here. Let's just pick a bottle. It'll be all right. When you get on an airplane, do you want that pilot to be narrow-minded? Oh, these gauges don't mean a whole lot. Don't worry about them. I mean, we're, we may be sitting at a 1,000 feet altitude, but we can land this thing right now. Huh? You, you want them to be a little narrow-minded? Hey, how about when you go to the bank? You want them to be narrow-minded? I mean, you've taken your hard-earned money and you deposit it into that account. And they say, hey, it don't work. We're all a family here. The whole bank's a family. You know, just so it gets in the bank, that's what counts. And yet those very same people that want everybody else to be narrow-minded, the most important thing you'll ever do in your life is make peace with God. And the only way to do it is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. It may be narrow-minded, but brother, it's right out of the Word of God. And I want to tell you, I, I'm, I, let me just move on. I'm going to get in trouble, all right? Well, <laughs> there's a separation here in verse 21. He said we're alienated. Literally means to be transferred to another owner. It speaks of estrangement from God. We're cut off. And it denotes a fixed or a state condition. God created us. And yet we, in sin, were estranged from God. We were alienated from God. You know, unbelievers are detached from God because of sin. And they suffer a separation from God unless they receive the reconciliation provided by Jesus Christ. And then the enemies, he said in the latter part of verse 21, we're actively hostile to God. We're hateful. Let me, let me tell you, unbelievers are not only just alienated, they become hateful to God. They hate him and they resent his standards. Enemies in your mind and it affects the thoughts and the outwardly expressions. Uh, scripture teaches us, Brother Case has been going through uh, 1 John, uh, and, well, let me not quote that right here. I'll get that in just a minute. This is John 3. 
You, you know John 3, 16. Everybody knows that. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But listen to verse 19. This is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. When you find a promise of God, you will almost always find in the verses after that some of the warnings that God gives. God loves us so much and praise God for the love of God. I mean, we couldn't write it. Uh, if, if, we, if we had a pen and, and thousands of pages, you could never explain the love of God. But folks, if you don't receive the love of God, there's the condemnation of God. And he brings that out too. Now that's not politically correct. And ask me if I'm worried about that. <laughs> the problem is not ignorance. The problem is a willful love of sin. It's not that we're ignorant. We just love our sin. We love, we, 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 would you prioritize Jesus today? And people say, well, you know, if I got any time left, I'll give it to the Lord. If I've spent all the money on myself and all the things I love, then I'm going to tip God when Sunday comes around. In spite of all of that, God desires to be reconciled to you. <laughs> wow. You can't, you can't explain that. You can't explain that. Now, the provisions of reconciliation are found in verses 20 and 22. First of all, there are two phrases, sacrifice by him to himself. It denotes a violent uh, death, uh, such as suffered by sacrificial animals. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 11, the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. You may think that this deal of the, of the crucifixion and all this was a last-minute deal. It's not a last-minute deal. It was God's plan from the beginning of creation. Everything has worked. Jesus could not be crucified inside the gates. That's why he went outside the gate. Everything here is just adding to Scripture and verifying Scripture. He became our sacrifice. He became our substitute. The Bible says in the body of his flesh through death. He's now reconciled us in his fleshly body through death. Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do and that it was while weak, through the flesh, God did by sending his only son in the likeness of sin. Flesh on account of sin, he condemned the sin in the flesh. Now, when you begin to think about the substitute and the sacrifice that Jesus makes, it, almost invariably people want to go back to Genesis 4 and say, Preacher, I mean, you know, it's not right. God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but he wouldn't accept Cain's sacrifice. And I say, well, what do you mean it's not right? God said there's got to be an animal sacrifice. There's got to be a blood sacrifice. Well, it's not right because Abel was a keeper of the sheep. All he had to do was bring one of his sheep with him. Cain was a tiller of the ground. And he, he brought his vegetables and he brought all his stuff to God. And God said, Cain, that's not what I said. And he gave Cain, if you go back and look at Genesis 4, I think God's given Cain another chance to go back and get the right sacrifice. But instead, Cain got upset, ended up killing his brother Abel. 
You say, how do you reconcile the fact that God will accept one sacrifice and not accept the other? Because the other is not a blood sacrifice. Now, let me tell you, you fast forward Genesis 4 to 2021, and you'll find dozens of people today trying to tell God how they're going to come to him. Now, listen to me. He's going to reject that just like he did Cain. You say, preacher, I heard Ted Turner several years ago. It's been 10 years ago. Ted Turner said, uh, I don't think I'm going to have a front row seat in heaven, but I've given enough money, I think I'll be there. Well, you in a big heap of trouble. I mean, there are people think, if I give enough money, I'm going to make it to heaven. If I'm a good man, if I'm honest, if I try to love my neighbor, if I, even if I love my mother-in-law, bless God, I'm going to get to heaven. No, you're not. Only through Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The songwriter said it best when he said, I must needs go home by the way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I shall never get sight of the gates of light if the way of the cross I miss. And that third verse I love, I bid farewell to the way of the world to walk in it nevermore. For my Lord says, come, and I seek my home where he waits at the open door. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, if you make peace with God, he's waiting for you at the open door. He's waiting. Have you made peace with God? Jesus took the place of sinners dying a substitutionary, sacrificial death that paid the full penalty of sin. Praise the Lord. Now, what's the purpose of it? Why would Jesus die on the cross? What's the purpose of reconciliation? Well, number one, it's our consecration as believers. You see, God's a holy God. 2 Corinthians 5 says that he who made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. See, God's holy. God's righteous. We're not going to waltz up to God and tell him what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. God is God. He's the creator. So our, our consecration, we've got to be made holy, separated from sin. And then our character, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Without blemish, the Bible says, worthy of being offered to God. Mm. None of us could be worthy of that. None. None. When you go back and you remember the plague of the firstborn when the Israelites were in Egypt. Let me tell you something. The death angel did not look in each house to see who was worthy or not. The death angel looked at the blood over the doorpost. And all of those in that house were saved. There's no one in this place worthy. You're not perfect. Now, there may be two or three who think you are, but I'm just telling you right now, you're not going to do it. You're not worthy. You're not perfect. You're not perfect. I talked with a dear lady, and I know what she means. She said, I love Woodland Hills. It's just the perfect church. I said, no, ma'am. <laughs> uh, it's not the perfect church. I mean, it's not the perfect church. And I got to thinking, what would the perfect church be like? I mean, if it's a perfect church... I think we'd be a perfect church when 
you can come and hear somebody say, hey, it's my turn to sit on the front pew. Huh? <laughs> hey, we may be a perfect church if somebody's eyes so wrapped up in it. I never noticed your sermon went 25 minutes longer. Huh? Personally, I find witnessing more enjoyable than fishing. Ooh, you know, we done hit the perfect church there. And I love this one. I love it when we sing hymns I've never heard before. You know you're in the perfect church when that happens. And I'm telling you, it's not going to happen here on this earth. But if you by faith will trust the Lord Jesus Christ, one of these days we're going to enter that perfect place. We're going to enter the place where there's no more sorrow, no more sadness, no more tears, no more death, no more sin. All of that will be awaiting us in heaven. And then the purpose of reconciliation is for our charges. We're to be above reproach, free from accusations. And and it's not that, that charges can't be brought against us. They will be. But they can't be proven. Now, we're in a society today where you don't have to prove anything. You put it on CBS, buddy, it's, tr- it's true. You, you put it on Facebook, I don't care what you, it's true. I read it on Facebook. Huh? And, and if it makes a Longview News Journal, you know it's fact. There's just no doubt whatsoever. It, yeah, but I want to tell you, There will be people, and they've been people for years trying to knock down Christ and knock down the church, but I want to tell you, all those accusations are false when we stand before God. Why are they false? Because we've been made in His righteousness. Not your righteousness, not my righteousness, but His righteousness. Now let me give you the the proof of it. How do you know? Do you have peace with God? Are you really at peace with God? How do you know that you've really sold out to Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us in verse 23, if you continue in the faith grounded and settled, be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. You see, that there's a word we call perseverance. It's not very popular anymore either. But he's saying here, if you continue in the faith, if you persevere, if you persevere, Brother Case has been going through 1 John 2 at the night. They went out from us, verse 19 says, because they were not of us. For if they'd been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. Mm. We need to be grounded, steadfast, firmly set on the foundation. Uh, We're not saved by continuing in the faith. That becomes a performance-based salvation. We're continue in the faith because we are saved. You can say, I'm going to live for Jesus until you're blue in the face. If you've never come to Jesus by way of the cross, you're not going to have eternal life. Just living for God, just living righteously does not get you into heaven. But if you've been saved, a byproduct of salvation is that you continue in the faith. You're not going to throw in the towel. You're going to continue to move on. They continued in the faith, and then not only continue in the faith, but they contend for the faith. We ought to want others to be saved, our family, our loved ones. Why is it so important of the gospel 
to hold fast to the gospel? Well, because you can't be saved without it. There's no way a person can have eternal life without accepting Jesus Christ. That's the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's also the universal mark of its authenticity. Now, the Bible shows us the importance of reconciliation. Reconciliation transforms people. How many times, huh, Hey, I've, I've just got another one. I've made a commitment. I'm going to lose weight. I lost five pounds rejoicing. Then I'm thinking, what are these among so many? <laughs> huh? How many New Year's resolutions do we make? <laughs> hey, New Year is not going to transform you. How many times do we make a deal with God? God, if you'll get me through this. Whew, I'll tell you, I'll, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray if you'll get me through this. The only thing that can transform us is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. No one else. It transforms people. But it not only transforms people, the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus appeases the wrath of God. Now, that's not popular either. Everybody wants to know the love of God and praise God for the love of God. But if you don't come to Jesus, the wrath of God will fall on you. There is a wrath of God, but the blood, the reconciliation, appeases the wrath of God. And it only comes through Christ. And here's the good news. It's available to all who will believe. On this resurrection morning, if there's no peace in your life, I'm telling you Jesus stands with open arms saying, come, come, come. And then when we have believed, I don't want to leave believers out. When we have believed, every one of us are given the responsibility to go and share that with somebody else. We have visitation programs, and praise God, it's going great. But I want to tell you, when the New Testament church is really the New Testament church, we won't need a visitation program. Everybody will walk out these doors and say, this is our mission field. I'm going to live my life for Christ. I'm going to point others to Christ. I'm going to be a believer. Our mission is to plead with people to receive that reconciliation before it's too late. It was in 1830, George Wilson robbed the United States mail. He robbed them of $704. He went to court. They found him guilty. His sentence was to be hanged for $704. Now, in 1830, $704 was a lot of money. But he had a friend that went to President Andrew Jackson and pleaded with him. And Andrew Jackson issued George Wilson a pardon. Everything's great. It's wonderful. One minor fly in the ointment. Wilson wouldn't accept the pardon. He refused it. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. Chief Justice Marshall said this, a pardon is a slip of paper, the value of which is determined by the acceptance of the person being pardoned. If it is refused, it is no pardon. George Wilson must be hanged. I'm telling you this morning, through Jesus, 
He's offering you a pardon. But it's only good if the person who's offered the pardon will receive it and accept it. Have you got peace with God? If not, what a tremendous day to make peace with the Lord on Resurrection Sunday. Have you got peace with God? Would you bow your head as we get ready to close, do our invitation? These altars will be open. Brother Case and I will be here. I'm just wondering, no one's looking around. If you would say, Brother Charles, I, uh, I don't know that I have peace with God. I may and I may not. But I do know one thing, I don't want to go to hell. I know that. If you'd say that, would, would you just slip up your hand? Let me just see where you are. I just want to pray for you. Nobody's going to come to you. Nobody's looking. I, I don't know if I have peace with God or not. But I do know I don't want to go to hell. I know that. Thank you. Thank you. Just slip it up till I see it. Thank you. Father, we come this morning to this time of invitation. God, how you love us, we could never count the ways. But Lord, in that same breath, if we're not going to come to you, you're going to end up departing us and, and we're not going to get to enjoy heaven and the things of earth. Lord, I pray today you'll speak to hearts. If someone here has not made peace with you, and they're not sure of that peace, God, before it's eternally too late, help them to be saved today and to make sure they have that peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. We love you and count on you to do great things in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.